Welcome to Walk in the Truth podcast. How do we know where to find answers to the toughest questions in life? While the simplest answer is the Bible, where do we start this search and how do we discover this truth? Today, in this teaching podcast, John Metter, lead pastor of Cross City Church, takes a specific text of the Bible and helps us find truth for the life we're searching for. take your Bibles and turn to the second chapter of the book of Luke today, Luke chapter 2, and our journey all the way to Christmas, we're going to be looking at Luke 1 and Luke 2 at the Christmas story that most people know best, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, although several gospels give accounts of the uh, different events leading up to Christ's birth, this one is the one we know the most. And today's characters of Christmas has to do with amazing messengers. We're going to talk about Angels today. Angels is the subject of our, of our message. Angels is the subject of the text. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 8. And we're going to find these supernatural, uh, non-human creatures that God has created and exactly how he uses angels and certainly how he used it in this Christmas story. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8. Luke chapter 2. Verse 8, all this very familiar to you. The Bible says in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Have you ever paused to think what that sight must have looked like, what those shepherds must have seen and how they must have felt? But it's a pretty powerful image we have here. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now this would be myriads upon myriads more angels with him, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away with them, from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. How many times have you heard this story and not maybe thought through who this angel was and exactly what he looked like and exactly why they were so afraid when they saw him. And by the way, what are angels anyway? And what does God do with angels? And are they still around? We're going to answer those questions this morning. Father, in Jesus' name today, we continue to ask that you illuminate the scripture, just shine light on the truth that we might know and live by it. Father, speak to us and speak to us regarding our relationship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Please be seated if you would. Angels. Well, no matter what mental image you may have in your mind, uh, angels are real and powerful and supernatural beings that are in the universe today. And as you read through the Bible, you'll notice over and over in the Bible encounters with angels. They're more powerful than anything that you and I can possibly imagine. This is one of those things that God has done that we don't know so much about But we do discover that they are exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we can ask or think. 
more powerful than the Marvel or the DC comic kind of movies that are out there of superheroes that have incredible, amazing abilities and power beyond anything humans have. These angels are above and beyond all those except they're real and everything else is just fantasy that we make up in our minds. They existed before humans were created, before the world was actually created, and they're mentioned 300 times in the scripture. Did you know that? 25 different people have encounters and have had conversations with angels that are recorded in the Bible. And you read about them and learn about them. David, while he was out in the fields, you read about this in Psalm chapter 68, verse 17, where he looked up and he saw chariots of fire, chariots of light, streaking across in the heavenlies. And he named them in the thousands and multiplied thousands. He saw these angels in these chariots. Now, I don't believe in UFOs, but I believe in angels and their chariots across the skies. I don't believe in Superman and Batman and Spider-Man or even Captain America, but I do believe in Gabriel and Michael and all the other angels that are revealed in the Bible as being real. And when you open the Gospel of Luke, you'll find that Luke's Gospel explodes with the stories of angels. I mean, in the first two chapters of the book of Luke, you have three divine encounters detailing 14 different mentions of angels in just those first two chapters. So I'm going to ask the question today, who are angels? What do they look like? What do they do? Uh, Who interacts with them? How do they affect us? And you have angels probably, how they look in your own minds and what you think they might be like. Uh, We look for some pictures for angels for you to be able to look at today just to see what mankind has thought about angels based on what they know. And there are Renaissance artists that draw about angels. There are computer-generated artificial information, artificial intelligence that give us pictures as well. You see warrior angels. You see shepherd kinds of angels. You see all kinds of angels out there that people have in their mind that they think may be real. But the Bible is the only real source to help us know about angels today. And I want you to see something about angels because angels are a big part of the Christmas story. That's why Luke is so adamant about including them in the encounters that you have in Luke chapter 1, Mary and the angel Gabriel, Zacharias and Elizabeth and the encounter with the angel. Now these shepherds who have this encounter with the angel of the Lord, what are we supposed to make of that? And so we need to know something about angels today. You're taking notes. I'm going to give you five things about angels that are unforgettable. Are you ready for them? Number one, angels are the creation of an infinite God. That is, angels have not always been around. They are not gods. They are not eternal in that sense of eternity past. But they are creations of an infinite God. In verse 9, we are introduced to this angel that comes to the shepherd. And it says and specifies, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Now we know from the scripture that everything that exists was created by God except God who is eternal in every way. So angels are created beings. If you uh, read the Bible in the book of Colossians, you'll find a statement that is really comprehensive when it comes to God and his creative powers and, and how we know whatever is here got here. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, you'll read this. It says, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible 
and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That's in the book of Colossians. Actually, we place the creation of angels by God at a time before Adam and Eve were created and at a time before the heavens and the earth were actually defined in the way we see in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. If you read the book of Job, you're going to find an incredible conversations between God and Job. Most of you know that Job is the man that went through so much affliction. The first chapter of Job talks about why and the last few chapters of Job contain encounters between God and Job where God is revealing himself and he gives us lots of information about angels. I want you to notice what it says in Job chapter 38, verse 4, and then verse 7, where God says to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, a reference to angels, shouted for joy. Now, when you first look at this idea of God creating the the universe and then creating angels before he created the heavens and the earth and before he created man and woman, you got this idea that before you know that, that we are really the center of the universe. We think we are the center of all of the universe, that everything exists for us. But in reality, God has a whole universe, a whole existence, including angels, including the solar system and everything else before he placed man and woman, after the creation of man and woman, placed him into his world. We're not the big deal on this world. He is the big deal on this world. And when I read about angels and I read about all of God's creation, it helps me remind myself that this world does not revolve around me. It revolves around him. And it reminds me that I am privileged, just like you are, to be placed into this amazing world that God created, filled with angels and humans and everything else. We are privileged to be in this place. Well, first of all, angels are created by an infinite God. Secondly, you need to know that angels are supernatural, powerful, spiritual beings. While they can take on the form of a man, they are spiritual beings. We know this from a number of different passages, but just notice what we see here in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. It says, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Now, Luke is a very technical writer. The Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts, written by this, by this doctor Luke, this medical physician Luke, is written with incredible detail. He pays lots of attention to sequences and time frames and lots of attention to individual words to help us know the most we can possibly know about what he's writing. And, and he lets us know that the angel wasn't there at one moment and then suddenly stood before them the next. In other words, he simply appeared at that moment where he wasn't before. These angels are doing things that no human can do. One moment the angel is not present, the next he stood beside them. And he didn't walk in, he didn't come from a distance that they saw him, but he simply moved supernaturally to be right in the spot where the shepherds were, and they were stunned by what they saw. Now I want you to think of the others in this picture, in this scene, the shepherds who stay awake watchfully protecting their flocks at night. These guys have not been roused out of a deep sleep. No one has knocked on the door to their tent. They don't, uh, they don't just suddenly just look around. And they haven't been looking around. They are always vigilant, always watching, always aware of danger. And all of a sudden, this angel supernaturally appears in front of them, and they are stunned by what they saw. 
One of the best books on angels was written by Billy Graham a long time ago. But in this book, it details so many different aspects of angels. And one of the statements that Billy Graham writes is this one. He says, angels speak. They appear and reappear. They are emotional creatures. In other words, they feel. They become visible by choice when they want to reveal themselves to others. I began to ask the question of myself and other scriptures, what else can angels do? I mean, if angels can appear suddenly, what else can they do? If there are these supernatural, powerful, spiritual beings that God in his infinite wisdom created, what can they do? And I want to tell you a few things that I learned. First of all, they have knowledge that mankind doesn't have. They have knowledge that you and I don't have. They had knowledge the shepherds didn't have. They had knowledge that Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't have. They had knowledge that Joseph didn't have, that Mary didn't have. They know things that God has shown them, and they often appear in order to give guidance, in order to shed light on whatever situation or whatever person's life needs to be enlightened. Not only this, but they warn us and guide us about the things to come. Part of the Christmas story is Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. And I want you to look at what the angel said to Joseph. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So here is a supernatural, powerful, spiritual being that God created coming and giving this message of guidance to Joseph in order to protect Mary and to protect the baby from this murderous intent of Herod. They have knowledge that we don't have. They also have power that mankind doesn't have. When Jesus returns for the battle of Armageddon, if you read the book of Revelation, how many of you read the book of Revelation very often at all? If you read the book of Revelation, there's a great battle that's going to take place, and it's called the battle of Armageddon. Now, at the battle of Armageddon, this vast valley in Israel is going to be covered in blood. In fact, up to the bridle of horses, how deep the blood will be. But the Bible says that, that Jesus, when he comes back, will be followed by armies of angels who bring about all the destruction that needs to happen in this last great battle. The Bible also shows us the picture of one angel who slew all the firstborn Egyptians that led to the release of the Israelites in the book of Exodus. Maybe you remember that, the angel of death. Angels protect Israel from the armies that did come out of Egypt, chasing them once they were set free. And as they approached the sea before it parted, the angel of the Lord protected all of the soldiers, uh, kept, protected the Israelites from all the soldiers coming their way. If you look in the book of 2 Kings, one angel slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers who were intent on killing the Israelites. That's pretty powerful. There was an angel that struck with blindness the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah when they wanted to give ill treatment and violate the visitors in that city. It was an angel that struck and made Zacharias mute when he did not believe the angel's word. Angels are more powerful than military weapons and missiles and bombs and all kinds of speed and all kinds of brilliance. They defy explanation when you begin to look at all the things that angels have done. But angels not only have knowledge and not only do they have power, they fight battles we can't fight. Read the book of Daniel. 
where there is war in the heavenly places, Daniel is awaiting an answer of a prayer that he has prayed to God that he needs the answer to, and, and Michael is doing battle in the heavenly places against the demons that would keep that answer from coming. Daniel was in the lion's den, and the Bible says that even though those hungry lions would normally have eaten him alive literally the next morning after being placed in the lion's den, the king comes out and calls out, and there's Daniel in the lion's den just fine. And when asked, how did this happen? Daniel gave his answer. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. Now, that's sensational stuff. Amen? That's sensational stuff. I mean, I normally wouldn't want to sign up for the lion's den trip, but I would do that if I knew the angel was in there. Daniel could have said a lot of different things in answer to the king. The lions weren't hungry. They just didn't touch me. I don't know why, but he said, no, the angels shut the mouths of the lions. For people that have encounters with angels, and people that write about them, there's no doubt in their mind the existence of these angels that are there fighting battles we can't fight. Imagine the, the battles that you cannot fight that angels actually fight on your behalf, and you may never know about them. But God is at work protecting you in some way, just like he did Daniel. Angels also show up when we're not aware. Have you ever heard of entertaining angels unawares? Yes. Well, since they can take on the appearance of a human, they often surprise us. They look like another person, and in reality, they're an angel in disguise. The book of Hebrews tells us that they come without us realizing who they are sometimes. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Billy Graham tells the story of a missionary in the Hebride Islands uh, near Great Britain and, and the United Kingdom. And at the time, the Hebrides were filled with the savages that were murderers. They didn't want anybody other than themselves to be in this place they lived, in these jungles that they lived. And these missionaries named Patton, John Patton and his wife, were there. And he told them how difficult the ministry, he talked about how difficult the ministry of sharing the gospel was with those natives and, and how angry they were that they were even there. And one night, John Patton and his wife were, were in their hut, in their place that they built there to live in, and they were surrounded by the natives who clearly had intent to kill them. They had their spears, they had their swords all at the ready, and they were talking in a murderous way. So John Patton and his wife simply kneeled down in prayer and said, you know, if our lives is going to, are going to have to be a spent bringing the gospel to these people, we're going to spend it right here, but we're trusting God to protect us. And so they prayed all night long. If your life was threatened by a tribe of people with spears and swords, you'd pray all night long too. And when they woke up the next morning, or looked out the next morning rather, there was no one there. And they rejoiced in the fact that God had somehow protected them. Within a few months, they had led the chief of that tribe, that village, to Christ. And they began a relationship with him. They began to converse with him about all that was going on in his life. And one day they ventured the question, you know, some time back, uh, your village, your, your people surrounded us with swords and spears and we knew our lives were being threatened. What happened? Why did you never attack? And I quote this out of Billy Graham's book and this description of what was said. 
The chief said, who were all those men you had there with you? We saw hundreds of big men in shining armor with swords drawn, and we were afraid to attack. Angels. Angels were there protecting John Patton. And later the Hebrides became known as a great place of revival as the gospel had great inroads there. Angels exist today. Some of you may have had encounters with angels that you cannot explain. I realize when I tell this story, it's easy for someone else to write off the story, but I can remember an encounter with someone more than 20 years ago that left my wife and I wondering, did we just meet an angel? We were coming back on vacation with our six kids in the back of our suburban, and all of a sudden I heard an explosion as I was going down the highway, and smoke was coming outside the hood, and so we pulled over to an abandoned gas station. I opened the hood, and all of a sudden, the flames just began to blow up in a huge way. And all my, all my thoughts were getting the kids out of the car. So I began to call out to Cam, get the kids out as fast as you can. And then we were working to get the kids out of the car. And all of a sudden, a man drove up in an old white, and I know this is true, Ford pickup truck. And he got out. He was a bearded man, kind of heavy set, never said a word, reached into the back of his picket bed, got two large one-gallon uh, jugs full of water, came and poured the jugs on the fire in the engine bay, put them back in the back of his truck. And I just walked around the side of the car to tell Kim, I think the fire's out. And I came back around, and there was no one there at all. Now, I have a Ford pickup truck. I know they don't go that fast. Just enough of maybe to make me think. I saw an angel and I was unaware. God often visits his people in various ways. Clearly, 300 different accounts in the scripture of angels. 25 conversations of people who are otherwise reputable in every way regarding angels. And they often show up when we're not aware. Well, if you could see what angels did, what would you see? If you could see what you can't see, what would it look like? Might you be able to see angelic answers when you pray and God sends an answer by an angel? Might you see extraordinary encouragement and strength like the angel gave Elijah strength and the angel gave Jesus encouragement while he was in the wilderness during the 40 days of fasting and prayer? You might see demonic attacks that stopped in their track because of the power of an angel that stands between you and yourself and the demonic world just like he did in Daniel's life. You might see messages sent by God and delivered by angels just like Gabriel delivered the, the message to Mary and, and to Zacharias and ultimately to Joseph. You might see angels stopping you at times from doing things that you otherwise would do that would complicate and mess up your life, but for some unexplainable reason, you couldn't bring it about. Maybe angels have stepped in in that case as well. It's possible that physical rescue operations that defy any explanation have happened in your life because of angelic beings. Now, that makes me think this. I love the fact that God is not limited as to how he can rescue us, how he can help us, how he can encourage us. All of creation is at his disposal, including the created, supernatural, powerful, spiritual beings that we know as angels. I want you to notice the third thing about this text that tells us the angels reflect the glory and the majesty of God. Look at what the words say. As the angel appeared... 
It said, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's in verse 9. Now, everything that an angel does ultimately will continuously bring glory and honor to God. They frequently travel, according to the scripture, from heaven's throne room to earth, the dirt of earth, to do whatever work they need to to minister to those of us who are the saints of God. They're able to mask their brilliance so that they can appear in human form. But in this case, they were brilliantly glorious, lit up with the glory of God. That's what the text says. The glory of the Lord, not their glory, but the glory of God himself was all around them. This angel was reflecting God's brilliance, God's brightness to this very dark corner of the earth where these shepherds were there in the middle of the night. And that's what angels do. As a matter of fact, the purpose of, and the mission of angels is always to serve and to worship God, always to reflect God's character and God's glory. If you read the book of Revelation, some of the greatest scenes of worship in the heaven are found in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. And in chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 8, the Bible talks about living creatures surrounding the throne. If you've ever read that before, you know that throne room worship is what we call it. Those great moments where God is in every uninhibited way being worshiped by those that are there. And the scripture says in day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Angels always reflect the glory and the majesty of God. What a picture of that. And here in the darkness of the hill country of Israel, in the middle of the night, these shepherds are brought to the light of the glory of God. These are tough men, these shepherds. They could not be afraid of the lions and the bears and the wolves and the thieves. They'd seen it all. Read the stories of David, the young shepherd boy, how he and his slingshot were always prepared against lions and bears. You and I don't think about that often in the fields of Israel being lions and bears, but that's what David dealt with. That's what shepherds dealt with. And they'd seen it all. They were courageous men. But here the Bible says they were so terribly frightened that the angel had to say, do not be afraid. Well, that must be a pretty powerful sighting. If you're not afraid of a bear and you're not afraid of a lion, you're not afraid of a wolf, the angel has to say, calm down, don't run off. I know what you've seen. It's something bigger than you've ever seen before. Right. I was digging into the original language of this, this line here in verse 9 here about them being terribly frightened. And it's really interesting. There are three words to describe terribly frightened. One is a verb. It means to be fearful. The other is a, a noun, which is the fear itself. And the last word is an adjective that describes them both. That's the word mega in the Greek. In other words, phobeo, phobos, and mega, which means frightened with mega fear. It's not enough just to say they were afraid. They were frightened with mega fear. They were paralyzed. What they saw was so mesmerizing, so overwhelming that they did not know what to do. These strong, fearless men had to do everything they could to keep from running and hiding. So great was this visitation. And the angel said, do not be afraid. Matter of fact, that's what angels usually say when they reveal themselves to mankind. Don't run away. I'm here for you. I've been sent by God for you. Yes. These, these shepherds are looking at the glory and the majesty of God as we are. 
And these shepherds knew at some point they were going to see something amazing because God has sent his angels. And that brings us to point number four about angels. That's more, maybe one of the clearest points of this whole text, and that is that angels are messengers as well as ministers to us. I've talked to you about how the angels have ministered to God's people, but angels are messengers. Look at what it says in verse 10. It says, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Obviously, the Christmas message is about Christ coming, but the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. It's the angel of the Lord who brings the most important news of Jesus to us, the most important news of all. He's not even leaving that to prophets. He's leaving that to angels who are coming straight from heaven's throne room and saying, I'm bringing you good news of great joy, which is for everyone. Max Lucado in his book called An Angel Story uh, creatively thinks through what those scenes must have looked like when God commissioned the angels to go with this message. And I love thinking about what that must have looked like. Can you imagine those angels who were called by God to bring the message of good news to a very quiet, dark, sinful, broken, confused, hopeless world. Can you imagine how excited those angels were to be able to say, you're going to ask me to bring this message to this dark, cold world? Unlike mankind, angels are ageless. That is, they see men, mankind, they see us committing the same sin over and over, making the same mistakes over and over and over. Unlike us, they see the outcomes of our decisions, the outcomes of our desires and our governments and our theories and our lies and our temptation. They've watched mankind for years and years and millennium after millennium. They know how badly we need a Savior, how badly we need someone to intervene on our behalf. They know we desperately need a solution, and that's why I'm sure the angels were thrilled to come and bring God's answer. Emmanuel is coming, a Savior is coming, an anointed one. I'm sending you to announce this good news to dark mankind. It's a big moment, huge moment. So the angel comes, and in verse 10 and 11 in your text, do not be afraid, for behold, which is a word that means stop, look. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people for today. In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. And those shepherds did not wait. According to the text, immediately they went to Bethlehem. The message of the Savior was so important that God sent these amazing created beings to make a clear impression on the shepherds. Only this kind of thing would make them leave their flocks at night out in the field. But they did because the angel said go. God is amazing in that he brings the right messenger for the right moment at the right time. Gabriel spoke to Zacharias about John the Baptist. He spoke with Mary and even explained how she as a virgin would conceive. It was the angel that actually said these words, some of the greatest words in the Bible in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, when she said, how can this be? How can I have a child because I've never known a man? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Amen. Can you imagine this mighty angel 
coming to earth with such an incredible message so there'd be no doubt, so no one would wonder if this was an imposter that was coming. There would be no mistake. There's no other explanation. This was announced by angels. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, there's a verse of Scripture that's very interesting. It says, For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How could we miss out on the Messiah? It was prophesied been announced by angels in unmistakable ways. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? These are the messengers of the greatest news telling us of the greatest Savior and the greatest salvation you and I can possibly imagine. How can we ignore this? Then I want you to know, finally, angels rejoice in revealing their Creator. You see, what we don't fully know, the angels fully know. And that is this Messiah and our God is a creator and the one that we all need to bow the knee to. Notice what it says in verse 13 and 14 of the same text that we were working with. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. That would be many, many angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Their greatest joy, their greatest mission is to reveal their creator to the rest of the universe. They've seen God in all his glory. They watched as he created the heavens and the earth. They saw him create Adam and Eve. They saw the fall. They saw death come into the world. They saw the futility of mankind, the futility of religion. They, they see the senselessness of death and cruelty uh, in humanity, one against the other. They see all the problems and all the pain and all the heartbreak. They were overjoyed to come and say, we have the answer. It's Christ, the Messiah. Hallelujah. Out in that little book I mentioned a moment ago, the book where... Max Ricardo describes from an angelic perspective what their role was. He writes this about having seen the birth of Jesus and now making the news known to everyone. Glory to God in the highest, and I'm quoting this, glory to God in the highest. And gradually the chorus grew louder and louder and faster and faster. Our praise, that is the angelic praise, rose into the realms of the universe and in the most distant galaxy, the dust on the oldest star danced with our praise. In the depths of the ocean, the water rippled with adoration. The tiniest microbe turned and the mightiest constellation spun around. All of nature joined with us as we worshiped Emmanuel, the God who had become flesh. I love that description because it says rightly so, biblically so, all of creation was aware that Christ came as the Messiah. And it stands in stark contrast to humans, the most stubborn species in the universe. <laughs> to say, but did he really? But is he real? My dear friend, nobody that saw the scenes of that day doubted, neither should you. All of creation acknowledges and worships God. The angels delight in revealing himself to us. When will we acknowledge and accept and surrender to this Savior? Amen. He's a master and the Lord of the universe. 
Go watch your movies. Be entertained by the fantastic depictions of power. But just remember, those are fantasies. But our Lord and our God is not a fantasy. Amen. He's real. And he demonstrates that day in and day out. I wonder today if you've been more mesmerized by Hollywood's version of power and might and fantastic creatures. And you haven't remembered and thought of just one little species that God has created, the angelic beings, who is far mightier than anything that ever could be depicted in a book or on a screen or any other way. I wonder if maybe you've been a little bit too distracted by everything we come up with. And I wonder if maybe you've been a little bit too neglectful of what God has come up with for you. Don't neglect so great of a salvation. In just a few moments, we're going to close in prayer. We have decision stations that I want to invite you to. You know, the only way you can neglect so great a salvation is to refuse it. To refuse it, to say, not for me. To say, I'm going to find some other way to heaven. Or I'm going to find some other way to God. And yet God himself has said, there's no way to the Father except through me. You can neglect the salvation by simply turning it off, tuning it out. Or you can say, you know, I, I see all the evidence for what God has done in Jesus. With the people that responded, with the prophecies that came to pass, with the angels that announced it. But the fact that there was no doubt in those that responded and saw, I'm going to put my faith in that same one that they put their faith in. And today we want to talk with you, help you with that decision. I invite you to our decision station. Maybe you're here for the first time. I would love to invite you to our guest reception room right outside the center exit doors and across the hallway. The glass in room. I'll be in that room in just a few moments. I'd love to tell you something about our church and things coming up. But we're really glad you're here today. I also want to invite you to bring others with you next week as we continue the characters of Christmas and as we move towards Christmas Eve, phenomenal time of celebration that we'll have this year. Would you stand with me for a closing word of prayer? Father, I'm so grateful today that you have revealed yourself in so many ways, including through the angels. Father, I would ask that you help us not neglect so great a salvation that each of us would grapple with and ultimately decide to trust you, the divine creator and savior of all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.